Today, we're going to talk about a very important subject during COVID-19, and that's about mental health. And really, we talk so much about the physical um, ravages of COVID-19, but the mental health of all of us due to social isolation, it certainly was an epidemic globally prior to COVID-19. But in our conversation today with Chris Ide, the Vice President of Corporate and Community Partnerships at CAMH Foundation in Canada, one of the things that I thought was so profound was Chris's tips for both people, uh, the public, who can go to their website and learn all sorts of tips and tools regarding managing stress and anxiety. But he also had some wonderful insights for business leaders. In a LinkedIn comment, he said, attention business leaders, lean into your role as normalizer in chief. Encourage your team to lean in or out in whatever way feels best from them and their families. Tell them what whatever works for them works for you. Remind them they're doing great, especially when they feel that they're not. It is your job to support their psychological health and safety. Let's flatten the mental illness curve. My name is Chris Ide. I live with my family in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And I am the Vice President, Corporate and Community Partnerships at the Center for Addiction and Mental Health Foundation, which is Canada's largest mental health teaching hospital and the world's leading brain science research center. You know, we hear so much about the physical health during these really trying times, but we also have the greatest stresses on mental health. So um, why don't you share with our listeners a bit about your overall services and then you know, really drill down into what you're doing uh, during the pandemic. Sure, I'd be happy to do so. Um, uh, And I think your um, insight that uh, mental health uh, is a priority for many people, just like their physical health is, is an apt insight. And I think we as an organization know that in this precedent, unprecedented time of uncertainty, it has never been more clear that mental health is health. So we are Canada's largest mental health teaching hospital. CAMH is the world's leading brain science research center. Uh, and before this pandemic hit, uh, we would, on average, every year, care for 40,000 patients. These are the sickest of the sick who uh, get referred into our hospital to treat their acute mental illness. Um, In addition to uh, clinical services, uh, we also, like I mentioned, are the world's leading brain science research center. So we produce a lot of great research, which really helps inform clinical care. So we're really quick at moving from uh, bench to bedside, as we would say. Um, Also, with respect to education, we train uh, 25% of all Canadian psychiatrists and 50% of all Ontario psychiatrists. so So they come and do their residency here at CAMH. Um, and then CAMH as an organization is actually very unique in that we also have this advocacy mandate that we operate under. So we advocate for new public policy initiatives at the federal, provincial, and municipal levels um, across Canada. So 
you know, really seen as the preeminent mental health uh, resource and, and, and voice uh, pre-pandemic. During this pandemic, it's been, you know, really um, fascinating to see our organization and its leadership pivot and, and move rapidly at the speed of the pandemic to uh, address um, the growing concerns and uh, issues that uh, people are facing. So, you know, the first part of our response has been and continues to be the continuity of service for our patients, making sure that the health and safety of our patients and their families and and our workers, our, our clinicians and researchers are protected during this time is of greatest priority to the uh, to the hospital and to our organization. It's been fascinating to see us adopt. Uh, more telemental health practices. So being able to deliver our mental health services where possible virtually. Um, I think in the first few weeks of this pandemic, we had gone from, you know, we're an organization of about 3,500 people and we had gone from just over 30 clinicians uh, delivering telemental health services to uh, at the end of last week, over 435 clinicians delivering telemental health services. And during that time, they've been able to scale their telemental health services to patients tenfold. So uh, we've seen a record number of patients being able to receive mental health care virtually, which is really inspiring. That has established our, our sort of leadership platform in this space. A lot of other hospitals and community health care providers have turned to CAMH to ask us how we scaled and built out our telemental health capacity so quickly. Um, and so right now, the hospital is also focused on training other health care providers. How, how did you scale so quickly at the speed of a pandemic? We have really incredible, incredible uh, people and clinicians who um, are the best in class when it comes to providing these services. So uh, I think our, our, our capacity or the hospital's capacity um, under that education pillar, you know, we're training physicians all year round. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been, uh, they've leaned on, on those skills and those assets to be able to deliver these services and these training um, uh, abilities to other hospitals and healthcare providers. So, so you're just continuing, you know, what you've known for so long. Yeah, that's right. So are you finding that you're, first you said you wanted to continue continuity of service for your current patients, but you must be getting just an influx of new patients, especially with your telemedicine. So um, are you finding, um, you know, are, are there similarities in terms of the, of the concerns of people at this point, or are they just very, very broad? In addition to providing continuity of service for our patients, CAMH is also focused on making sure that um, the public, that the business community, and that frontline healthcare providers have the tools and resources to cope during this time and to build their own resiliency. It's been fascinating to hear people describe the COVID-19 pandemic and speak specifically in terms of you know, the physiological needs of people, the the physical health of people, you know, what uh, we're also considering is the echo mental illness curve that may follow this. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sure you're feeling this like I am, where we're, uh, you know, physical distancing is really helping us reduce the spread of COVID-19, but that isolation is taking away one of the most important tools that we have for our mental health management, which is social interaction. 
And I think in a lot of cases, this isolation is leading to loneliness and loneliness can lead to a host of other mental health issues like anxiety, burnout, depression, addiction. And then, you know, compounding all of this are, are other factors that are, are increasing the risks to mental illness, like financial instability, loss of employment, and worries over the health of loved ones. Um, and so we as an organization are also providing supports and resources to those three populations. So the public broadly, the business community, and frontline healthcare workers. And we're doing that in a number of key ways, and not least of which is um, on CAMH's COVID-19 and Mental Health Resource Hub on CAMH.ca. Can you be specific about, like, you know, what are the most important things that the public needs right now? And then let's talk about what's the most important thing that business needs right now. So I think, you know, from a, uh, a public perspective, it's having access to research-informed um, mental health solutions. And, you know, I would bold and italicize and underline uh, the words research informed. So on CAMH's COVID-19 Mental Health Hub, we've included some really valuable tools, including, for example, a self-assessment survey to gauge your own stress levels. We just launched an app version of this a few days ago called Managing Your Stress and Anxiety. Um, people can search for that um, uh, on the App Store or on the Google Play Store. And in that app, uh, the tools and resources that are included in there are really in response to, I think, what we're seeing. So um, uh, there's online resource, including tips, coping strategies, uh, and resources to just generally manage your mental health during the pandemic. There's information on how to support loved ones during this challenging time, people who may be dealing with isolation or how to talk to your children about COVID-19, you know, as a, a dad of, of young boys, twin boys. Um, I can tell you that resource specifically has been immensely helpful. Um, and, and like I mentioned, there's some really great self-assessment tools for stress and anxiety as well uh, to help gauge where you are on the spectrum of mental health um, uh, and, and some good resources to um, point you in the right direction uh, on where you need to, to seek help. Um, again, what is the name of that app so that so our listeners can assess it? It's called Managing Your Stress and Anxiety okay. by CAMH. Okay. And then can you just skip to um, what are, in, you know, in your, your mind, um, a few of the tips that just, you know, a general person that, you know, maybe they're with their family, their kids are going stir crazy, um, you know, maybe they still have their job, but, you know, it's obviously, uh, you know, they're remote. Um, you know, what are some tips that you might have that you can recall from that website? Because I'm sure it's like not the website, but the app. I'm sure they're they're quite extensive. Yeah, there's a lot of good research informed stuff on the website. So, you know, some of the things that I've found really helpful in terms of managing um, my own mental health. Uh, you know, I've really struggled to separate my responsibilities as a parent and to maintain a regular schedule. So, you know, setting up. Um, for example, just before this call, we had a team meeting that was by phone and uh, where possible, we asked everybody to participate in that meeting while taking a walk outside. So mm, you know, making sure that we get out 
outside, mm-hmm. get some fresh air, mm-hmm. um, get some vitamin D, uh, and to maintain a, a schedule as best as possible is really important. I think, you know, switching gears into, you know, my role as a leader and how do I support my team and their psychological health and well-being during this time, I think it's really important. And what I've described to my team members is to make sure that they maintain the relationships with their colleagues. You know, it's critical to work performance and emotional and mental wellness. Um, I think it's important that we care about people beyond work. So, you know, when they can, just to check in on people on how they're doing, not just professionally, but also personally and unit. So go on a virtual coffee date as you would at the office. When you ask somebody how they are, you know, in everyday life, that may have just been a, a, an opening line, pause and, and reflect on, on how they're responding to how they're doing. I think it's important for us to also model and expect honesty. So, um, uh, again, picking up on that, when we often ask how you are, this is typically a pleasantry. Right now, these days, it's a crucial question and to ask it and also answer it authentically. Even people who aren't alone will feel at times like there is a heavy emotional burden on them. Um, and I think it's important that we recognize that everybody is struggling with their mental health through this pandemic, um, whether they're at home with family or alone um, or, or with other loved ones. And at a time when there's just so much information floating around, it's just so important to go to credible, legitimate resources. So um, uh, making sure that um, uh, go to camh.ca, check out the camh.ca uh, uh, COVID-19 uh, mental health resource hub and, and find the tools that are most helpful to you. That's that's re- really some wonderful tips. Take a walk, get some vitamin D. Um, probably a little cooler where you are than where I am. Um, you know, maintain relationships with colleagues. I love your idea of just a virtual coffee, which is just listen mm-hmm. and you know, model and expect honesty. And and it's not just hey, everything's fine. But hey, it's really how are you doing? Um, so I think that's those exactly, are yeah. really really good tips. What about for the business community? I think that's a great question. And, you know, I just got off a call with my leadership team. You know, we're uh, in some cases have seen this curve apex and you're hearing our government officials talking about quote unquote reopening the economy. And, you know, um, I think that um, has the potential to create some feelings of anxiousness with people. You know, what does that mean for me? And what does that mean for my return to work? You know, does my leadership team at work have a plan to reopen the office? Um, and if so, do they have a plan to make sure that we're practicing um, the current physical distancing guidelines when we do reopen? Right before this pandemic started, CAMH launched a really powerful workplace mental health playbook for business leaders. Um, it was a first-of-its-kind user-friendly playbook that provided a path to more effective solutions and better outcomes for businesses and employees. Wonderful. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, and, you know, we, we came forward with five research-informed recommendations. And this was based, these research-informed recommendations were based on the largest systematic review of research in the entire world when it came to effective workplace mental health solutions. And I went back to reflect on the five recommendations that we made when we launched this playbook on January 23rd. And even in these unprecedented times, these 
really powerful evidence-based recommendations can be adapted and used to create psychologically safe workplaces where every employee can reach their full potential. So I would encourage everybody as well to download this free resource. It's on camh.ca slash workplace mental health, and you can get the playbook there. Um, uh, and it's really, really important that um, uh, that organizations continue to invest in creating a long-term workplace mental health strategy. Excellent. Oh, that's oh, that's really that's a, that's really really a, an important resource for our listeners. And so we'll make sure that we put that in a show note. Um, certainly, both of your resources to the public. In terms of, and I love when you talk about research-informed recommendations, because there's so much content out there, but the fact that this is research-informed really makes them the most credible. Um, I, I would love to, as we're closing, we always like to have our guests give insights and tips to other organizations. Now, you know, yours, I think beyond mental health, you scaled really quickly. I mean, and you scale dramatically. So maybe there's a tip on scaling. Maybe there's a, there's, you know, I'll let you do your own tips, but I'm sure you've got, you could do a hundred insights, but let's just go for like three or four. Sure. (laughs) I'd be uh, happy to provide them. I think the first thing that really comes to mind um, for organizations. So Yes, adopt those five research-informed workplace mental health recommendations. You know, they include creating a long-term strategy, uh, workplace mental health strategy for your organization, mandatory mental health leadership training, um, prioritizing and optimizing your return to work process, making sure that you're investing in workplace mental health solutions that are appropriate for the demographic of employees um, that works at your company. And tracking your progress, like every, um, you know, like every business project or strategy, key performance indicators are critically important. But I would say above all of that, and maybe what just persists through all of those recommendations are the role of leaders in being normalizers in chief. We're all feeling stress and anxiety, and it's important to focus on being open and honest about your experiences. Um, so, you know, we had, we had come forward with these recommendations when we launched the playbook, but I think now more than ever, it's important for us to be normalizers in chiefs. We have to remind people that this is a global pandemic, that it's not an added opportunity for increased oppor- uh, productivity. You know, remind your teams that not to expect normalcy during this time. A protracted global emergency is not normal. Uh, And I've been encouraging my team to lean in or lean out in whatever way feels best for them and their families. On a call recently, you know, I had a team member apologize because their child was interrupting the meeting. Unlike mine is doing right now. Oh, no, I love um, it. <laughs> I love that. The humanity, <laughs> the humanity of my, my cats jump up in my lap and they, where they walk across my, my keyboard. So then we get really strange yeah. emails. They're keeping it, they're keeping it fun right now. Okay. But I reminded that team member that not to apologize for their child interrupting the meeting. Really, whatever works for them should work for you as a leader right now. So mm-hmm. as a normalizer in chief, we have to celebrate the good news and share your challenges. We have to remind our team members that they're doing great, especially when they feel like they're not. It's your vulnerability and courage that will inspire your employees to do the same and give you their best. Um, 
Uh, so I would really encourage, and, and, you know, one of the questions that we would often get asked when we launched the playbook in these five recommendations, well, how much is it going to cost us as an organization to, to, to implement these recommendations? And, you know, we would say, well, there's a, this study articulates the return on investment mm-hmm. uh, of an implementation of these recommendations, but it costs nothing to lead, right? It costs nothing to lean into your role as normalizer in chief and to establish a culture whereby your employees feel as though that they can adopt these workplace mental health resources and supports and systems that you've established to help them through this time. That's really, really great. Um, I don't know if you have anything to top that. (laughs) And I I think that normalizers in chief, um, and I think it costs nothing to lead, or just, you know, not just during a pandemic, um, obviously important messages now, but also just when we, when we pre COVID, they would have been great. Um, I'm curious about what do you think in terms of, um, the need for mental health support? Obviously it's going to continue, but will it be far greater? You talked about this eco kind of, uh, mental health, um, or echo, I guess it is, uh, that it's going to kind of come back at some point you don't know. And, and I think you're right. You know, what do you think a year, two, three down the road? It's interesting. So before we, you know, entered into this pandemic, um, we were already in the midst of a global mental health crisis. You know, the stats spoke for themselves. We, 450 million people worldwide were struggling with their mental illness. Um, 4,000, I'll give you a bit of a Canadian fact, uh, 4,000 Canadians were dying by suicide every year. That's an average of 11 per day. Mm. Um, 300 million people worldwide were affected by depression. 47 million um, uh, people were living with dementia uh, worldwide. And that number was projected to increase to 75 million by 2030. Um, And then again, in Canada, by the time a Canadian reaches the age of 40 years old, one in two of us have had or um, have a mental illness. So, you know, the, the issue pre-pandemic was that we were in a global mental health crisis. That's why we as an organization knew that um, uh, you know, mental health is health. You cannot have health without having mental health. And I think this pandemic is just serving to exacerbate this crisis for all the reasons that we talked about before, loneliness, leading to anxiety, burnout, depression, addiction, and a host of other mental illnesses. Um, and that these risks are compounded by, you know, financial instability, loss of employment, and worries over the the health of loved ones. So I don't know what the future uh, looks like. Um, I do know that um, I think uh, now more than ever, it's really important that we invest in our um, both physiological and psychological health, and and really uh, look to those research-informed mental health training tools, education programs, digital resources that we need to cope and and build the resiliency to really just flatten the echo mental illness curve, if you like. That's that's very, very powerful. So, so Chris, we want to thank you for this this terrific discussion. You know, you you represent your organization exceedingly well, even with uh, two three and a half year old twins probably barreling around the house which which i they were baking muffins and i'm sure they wanted to give me one are they already out of the oven 
I, I hope so. Thank you so much for your time. Um, and I also say that for all of our listeners around the globe, uh, this isn't just about Canada. This is about the globe. And this is about that we, you know, trust that, that these are really trying times, but we have some terrific insights here to work on our mental health as well as during social distancing as we also take care of our physical health. 